Hi everybody, welcome back to Silverlight TV. I'm John Papa. Today I've got Jason Shaver from the Silverlight program, Silverlight team, and you're a program manager, right? I am a program manager, yes. Great, so you've been with the team for how long now? Um, for just about three months. Three months, say you're relatively new, but I've interacted with you quite a bit the last couple months. Correct, before you're this I was making Silverlight line of business applications uh, out in the wild, if you will. Oh, real experience, huh? Yep. <laughs> so you're, you're working with the uh, team on a couple of my favorite features, one of which we're gonna talk about today and dive deep on. You wanna tell everybody what you're gonna talk about? Today we're talking about uh, data bug debinding. Da uh, data <laughs> binding debugging. Nobody can ever say it. <laughs> What do they call it on the way over? Debigging? Debigging, yes. Debigging, yes. yes. So <laughs> we're giving it new names. But yes, it's, it's binding. <laughs> it's setting breakpoints in your XAML on binding expressions. Exactly. So it's not, some people erroneously called it XAML debugging. Correct. It's not XAML debugging. It's data binding debugging, and it's just for the expressions. Pretty much anything with the word binding at the start, uh, such as what you would see here, that's what we're talking about. So we can do this on property setters and, and, and um, resources as well. Anything that you're accessing through the binding statement, you can access. Okay, that sounds good. And we've got a couple things to talk about. Let's give everybody a quick overview of what we're gonna get into. Uh, first, we're gonna start with, well, what does it do? What are the capabilities? And we're gonna explore the locals window, which is primarily the place you're gonna look for these expressions. Yep. And then you've got a couple scenarios that you're gonna set up to, to explore binding conditionals, uh, what happens when your models are null or your properties are misnamed. And one of my favorite parts, which we don't see a lot, is how to go through uh, d uh, debugging converters. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else we're gonna talk about? Um, no, that covers most of it. A lot of this is how to see into the magic that is data binding. Uh, a lot of Silverlight is, and learning Silverlight, is learning about uh, data binding. But there's this, you see the XAML side of it, you see the, the code behind side of it, but you don't really ever get a chance to see into data binding. And with this feature, we give away for our customers to actually deeply go into data binding. And it actually shows, what I like too is inside the locals, and we'll jump in there, is during the pipeline of what's happening, it actually shows you each step Correct. of what's happening. And each step meaning you've got your target uh, null value, you've got your fallback value, you've got your string conversions. You get all these different things that it shows you one, one step by step. And, and they'll show you it in a line, which you'll see when we get to the locals window. Great, so let's stop talking, I guess, right? So. <laughs> The key to using this feature, and a lot of times we see people who have questions about how to use this feature, it's really simple. You go into your binding statement, mm -hmm. and you insert a breakpoint. That's all there is to it. It's not a, uh, a hard process. Okay. So what I'm gonna show is just my app, and let me uh, start it up fresh here. All right, so we have a simple Silverlight 5 app, and we're actually running with the beta here, so. In this app, I just created a normal app off the Silverlight template. I uh, hooked up Services and created some simple uh, views here. Um, so what you see here is this is, think you're an AV department, you have equipment and you have rooms it needs to go to, mm -hmm. and this is just what date, what item, what room. So you'll notice here that the date and the room are empty and you go into your XAML and you go, well, I have binding statements. So I'm a little confused on why they're empty. Yeah, start time looks right, what's the problem? So what we could do here is we can go and put a breakpoint in there. Hitting F9, cool. Hitting F9, refresh my screen just to get to load again, and you'll see the breakpoint hits. Now you notice in the locals, and I am going to give just a closer look at this, you notice in the locals that we start with what's our binding state, and you'll see a bunch of items under here. Um, some of them, such as binding and binding expression, uh, they kind of give you the ability to see what is being, uh, what is your current data binding expression. It's basically the same thing right. as in XAML, 
broken out into the object model. Yep. The more important ones here, and, and I noticed right on the top when you do have an error, if there is an error, right on the top it'll say immediately, so oh, you yeah. don't even have to expand it. Yeah, right at the top, um, you can see here I'm going to expand error and go down to the message. The message. And you can see here that it's an obvious problem. The uh, start time property is not found. On reservation. It tells you, I mean, and this is the, what a lot of us might see in our output window or via IntelliTrace. Um, you'll see this, and you kind of get you know, confusing. There's a lot of, uh, of objects here. There's the text block. There's the reservation. There's properties. And what happens to there's me a lot is not, I mean, we misspell things a lot, too, but <laughs> at least I do. But not only just having them misspelling the word, what happens a lot is this is key to me. What object's it on? Sometimes I'll put a property like start time in there, and it's the right name, but I realize I haven't put it on the right object. Like my Correct. data context is not reservation. It might be you know, customer by accident. So what we could do now with data binding debugging is go to final source. So final source is the when your source statement evaluates, mm -hmm. it'll go and find all the right objects, your data context. Um, it's the source of the binding operation. For that current uh, object. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it is, and let me uh, make it a little more obvious here. It is this SLTV sample app web models reservation object. Okay. So, looking through its types, we can see the public properties down there. You'll see display name, reservation ID. What you don't see is start time, which is what that error was. Right. You see start date. So it goes, oh, well, that must be what my problem is. So let's quickly fix this. It'd be nice if we could guess at the closest one you haunted and just change it for you. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> so, let me stop my. Uh, which brings the first question up I always get asked is, well, why can't we just change it and continue, edit and continue in this case? Well, we can't. We've got to stop and re rerun, but that's okay. So now I'm starting the app over again. I left my uh, breakpoint in there, so mm -hmm. it will break when we get to it. And now... Now notice there's no error. Yeah, now you see update target, which uh, lets it know that this is the data that's... This is that step right between updating the visual after it's done all the steps. Mm -hmm. Now, being after we've done all the steps, that gives us a lot of information. Because now, you'll notice that the error is gone. Yep. But we can now see the pipeline. And I want to show a few things about this pipeline here. And the pipeline is important. This shows us all the values if we use string format fallback, converters, uh, and it shows before and after. Yep, so this shows, and it really is each step in kind of the order they go. So you got the initial value, this is what came out of your object, out of your binding statement. Mm -hmm. Then you have it after it went through a converter, which in this case you don't have a converter. Um, then it's uh, the using tar uh, target null value. You could set a lot of our controls to say, if this is null, display this text. Sure. Um, then there's the uh, after string format. And this is for us, what I have here on my application is a string format. Which is great because I'll tell you, other than that format, I never remember the exact syntax I have to use to get all the formats for the strings. So it's nice to be able to see, like if you made this lowercase mm or if you did mmm by accident, be easy to see what the value is going to be before and after. And when you get to complicated line of business scenarios, it's very common to have your object start as, one, as a string, get converted to a date time in the yep. converter, and then have a string format to convert it back out to something else. Mm -hmm. So when you got a lot of these steps, ha being able to see this pipeline. So is this pipeline in sequence as well? This pipeline is in, se is in sequence. That's the order that it actually happens under the covers. This is the order it happens under oh, the covers. Um, I believe there are some very small exceptions of it, but I imagine in every case our customers will see this is what you'll get. And here you can see 
the before, and then the result. Mm -hmm. And if we F5 the app here, or resume our continue, removing my breakpoint. Yeah, you want to remove that, especially if it's in a template. Yep, because this will we have three objects in here, so this will be all three objects. And now you can see I have my date after the string format was mm -hmm. applied. Um, now you'll see, though, that the room is empty. So this is another common problem, especially for people learning Silverlight. I have a binding expression here. It's supposed to go room.display name, and room's empty. And you're like, well, what's wrong? Did I misspell something again? Sure. So I'm going to breakpoint that. And I'm going to refresh. So what we have here, I'm going to go to final source. Just, if you could scroll back up to the top that real quick in the locals window. Oh, yes. You'll see right at the top the action again, cannot evaluate the expression, so it shows you that right now. And there's no error, though. There is no error, yet we still are missing data. So we know it's not a misspelling. And we can see here room, and in our... Um, we have a room property. We have a room property, but it's null. Yeah, if you could zoom in on that, we'll show everybody real quick. So that's the room, and it's set to null. And we see it's the right type. It's web.models.room. Yeah, so this should be working. Now, as you start just exploring your locals window, you might see something. Um, we're using Rio services, and you'll see this entity reference. And you go reference, you go, well, you know, maybe it's uh, lazy loaded. And sure enough, in Rio services, uh, these start lazy loaded. Because that's a reservation.room object. Correct. It's a child object, so maybe it's we a foreign get key that. To, the, uh, to the reservation. Okay. So I'm just going to type in the quick code to fix this. So we're now we're back on our domain service in Rio services. And you're just saying, OK, here's our reservations. We're not actually returning the rooms. Exactly. So now I just go, add the room, and we're good to go. Now, the converters is where this really gets complex. Um, a lot of times in learning, people can get the data binding because it's a simple kind of path expression evaluating. Sure. But when you get to converters, and you actually throw logic in the middle of your expression, especially with string formats at one side, mm -hmm. with various data contexts on the other side, things get really confusing. So what we have here, and let me start my app to kind of show what it should look like. When you pull this one up, if you could zoom in with uh, on the browser, actually, just do the, the Control++. Plus plus. Zoom in so we can actually see the combo boxes. That'd be great. Got a little bit of delay there. I still have my uh, breakpoint. Right, get rid of that for a minute. So here we've got that. Yeah, if you could zoom in once you do that, just so they can see. That's good. So you're talking about this drop-down box over here, the today. Yes. So in this case, I have values, and when I update to tomorrow, the date updates to tomorrow, and when I go two days away, it updates, and everything works great. So if I could guess, the functionality you're using here is whatever the data is in there, you're using a converter. Whatever that, this is bound to some field called start. Correct. Whatever this is bound to, it's also bound here. It's just instead of displaying this, you're displaying some words. Exactly. Okay. And this is just to make it easier. So today, zero days difference between those two dates is today, and the 15th is today. Sure. Um, tomorrow would be the 16th. So what I want to go is to another example here. So this is 618. Today's 615. Okay. So this is three days in the future. And when we pull it up, you notice that it's empty. Yep. Now, I knew it worked in one case. I know it's not working here. So data binding, uh, debugging to the rescue. So I'm going to go to my reservation view here. OK, here's our combo box. Here is my statement. And what I have is a, and let me kind of zoom in here for you. I have a binding path model.start date. OK. It's two-way. And you've got a converter set up. 
and I have a converter set up. Now you also have seven hard-coded values in the options for this combo box, correct? Exactly. In this case, you know, for a demo, I'm just giving it what valid options I expect. Sure. So I'm going to put my breakpoint here. I'm going to go back to the app. I'm going to refresh here. And when I look at my locals, and I'm going to look at my pipeline, because what I can see here We is should have a date value, right? Because it's binding to that other text box. Well, what I don't have here is my path is model, and my model is null. Ah. So you got to remember is that this breakpoint hits every time this uh, value is um, received a property change. Sure. Uh, it also happens on startup. So in this case, this is happening on startup, but we haven't yet gotten our model. So I'm just going to F5 and let it continue running, and it comes right back. Now at this point, it's after I got the model, and now when we look at the model, you'll see that I actually have a value here. Yep, reservation. reservation equals two. So now I know it's not that I'm missing my, my data. So I'm going to look at the pipeline, and you'll notice here that the conversion is in the past. Now, I coded the converter, and I know that in the past means that the date's in the past. Mm -hmm. But it was three days from now. So now I go, well, I might have messed up my... Uh, Your converter might not be working. Exactly. The way you expect it to be. So I'm going to go to my converter, and I look, and oh, I'm getting a delta. And actually, I'll even go one step further here, and I'm going to continue F5ing here. Because part of what makes data binding really nice is that it's not just that it shows you what your problem is, mm -hmm. but in cases where it doesn't, it shows you what the next step of debugging right. is. And that's really important. Well, and the key there, too, is also knowing not just that it was in the past. I mean, looking at 6.18, knowing we're recording this in 6.15, knowing it's not really in the past. But the other side is the value came back was in the past, and your drop-down list was hard-coded to today, tomorrow, one day. Correct. It wasn't in its list of options. So in the past wasn't even an option there. Exactly. And now I could see that... Here's I'm breakpointed into my converter. I see that my delta is negative three, and I'm thinking, wait, I meant that to be the other way around. Right. I wanted to be positive. So you're taking today minus the date that's being bound to it. Exactly. So now I know I just need to flip these around. So I'm going to flip these around really quick. All right. So now we're going to take the bound date from the model and subtract today from it. Exactly. So I F5 again, running the app. It's always a good time to take a drink when the app runs. And I go to my 618 value. And I'm going to F5 one more time just to get over that one where it's loading it. Okay. And the first time, just to clarify, the first time that it's hitting there, the reason there's no values in there is because none of the data has come back. Yet. Exactly. Okay. Um, the async nature of Silverlight means that a lot of times are in cases where it doesn't load mm -hmm. and it does. And actually, this might make a good time to talk about one other uh, feature of Silverlight. So let me, I want to break point or uh, stop here really quick. And just kind of send us on a slight tangent. Mm -hmm. So this kind of scenario where you're in the case where we know that we need to debug in a certain uh, path of our logic. Right. But we're going to hit this every time. And if we're doing debugging the same kind of thing for half a day, you're going to hit this a lot of just wasted times of hitting F5. So what we can do is just like any other breakpoint, we can add conditional compilation statements. And I actually have one prepared. I know, magic. Yeah, I want you to, read to memorize that real quick. Now, we'll actually include <laughs> this in the post for Silverlight TV, so you don't have to worry about memorizing this. <laughs> yeah, and this really is the saying, going to the binding state, its final source, and actually I'm just going to zoom in on this final, this little section here. Um, everything else is just casting, but it's 
uh, binding state dot final source mm -hmm. dot model and not equals and it says null at the rest. So, so basically just saying if the thing we're bound to, the final source is the source of the binding operation, if the model, which is the property in this case, is not null, then break. Then break. So this will ignore all those first times where the data is not loaded yet. So I hit OK. So in this case, we're not going to stop the first time, but we're going to stop the second time, as long as we have a model. Exactly. And you can tell we're conditional by the little plus sign in right. our uh, breakpoint. This is really handy, too, for setting. People always ask me when they go through this, it would be really handy if I could have it only stop when there's problems. So you could go in there. It won't just automatically do it, but you could go in there and set all your conditions to only break when there's an error or only break when things are null. Yeah, and we could give a show notes for how to break if there's an error. Yep. It's really easy with uh, data binding debugging. So now I look in, and instead of getting that first one where it was null, we have our first one be the one that has the data. Yep. And we can look at our pipeline, and now we see that it is correctly three days away. So it should be selecting the correct value in the list, since that was one of the values you've got hard-coded up there. Exactly. And I just want to point out that you'll see that the first one is still the date time, mm -hmm. and then after the conversion is when you're getting the three days away. Right. So you see every step of that chain again. This is really helpful, too, if you have more than one of these options. Like, we're just showing we just use a conversion, or we just use string format. But if you use string format and fallback value and a converter, sometimes it can get confusing knowing yep. which one is breaking it. Well, you throw a null in there, a lot of times people will have all their logic for not null working great, right. but then the null value is a string that doesn't match what their string format is expecting. I find this is helpful, too, where I work with a designer, and the designers a lot of times will set up the fallback value. So in design mode, they didn't have to have sample data. They could just show data <laughs> with fallback value. Yes. And then I get it, the code, I'm doing my binding, and I'm seeing the wrong value show up. And by looking at the debugging, I can see easily, oh, okay, my value came back as null, but they had a fallback value. or something else in there, or they had a target null value set up for me. Yeah, this is, in my opinion, one of the best learning tools in Silverlight, while at the same time being one of the best tools for experienced, mm -hmm. everyday developers. So you mentioned the other conditional breakpoint, the checking to see if there's going to be an error or not. Correct. Could you show us that syntax real quick with sure. the notepad? That was a little shorter. <laughs> yeah, and this is that front one, and let me zoom in on the end of it here. And again, we'll copy this and put it into the uh, text of the video, too. And it's basically just going to binding state. And it's looking for if the error is not null, um, there must be an exception, mm -hmm. break. Um, now, another thing I'll throw out with, and this is, a, I believe, a Visual Studio 2010 thing, you can actually take all of your breakpoints and save them to a file. And then yep. take that file and email it to someone else. So in the past, I've done things where you'll take your business object and you'll have all your extreme case breakpoints mm -hmm. from debugging a serious problem, and then you want to save it because you don't want to lose that by removing them all later. Right. But you know you might be working on a different machine or in a different environment or with a different developer. That still works with data binding debugging. So it's really great to have that unified breakpoint experience. Mm -hmm. It's not any different from dealing with it in code. That's great. Now, these are great features, and it really definitely it helps it helps make the process of developing with Silverlight a lot smoother. Uh, we, I was talking with a couple guys and we were first presenting these features out to, to publicly. And the favorite thing about it was, you know, it's not what it does or how it does it. It's the fact that it will save you hours of scratching your head or pulling your hair out trying to figure out what is going on. Exactly. So It gives uh, you the tools to figure out the problems on your own yes. without having to get, you know, someone else in the loop. And this isn't a two-minute time savings. This could, in some cases, be an hour of time savings. This you know? would save me days, in some cases, of my uh, yeah. development. Oh, that's great. 
Hey, Jason, this is awesome. I appreciate you coming on the show and showing us this. And we'll, you have some other features we're going to talk about in the future. Yes. Uh, we'll have you back here and do that. I think uh, implicit data types. Implicit, implicit data templates. Data templates, yes. sorry, not data types. <laughs> so we'll do implicit data templates with you. Another one of my favorite features in Silverlight 5. Yep. Thank Thanks you very much. Thanks for coming on. And thank you all for watching Silverlight TV.